1: Welcome into episode 132 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined by the one, the only, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, it's been a minute. How the heck are you? I'm
0: doing fantastic, Jack. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm just doing just absolutely perfect. Peachy, Uh, we got back from South Bend uh, Just a little over like 5 o'clock-ish on Sunday And uh, very, very glad to get that trip behind us Because it was... Uh, an important one. It was kind of the first game of Kentucky's upcoming stretch of, diff- you know, they moved on from the seven-in-a-row cupcakes, and it's time for the, the getting down in the nitty-gritty of this schedule and figuring out just what the heck this basketball team is. And I think we learned a whole lot about this team, in uh, uh, oh, you know, some good, but a whole lot of bad, uh, as Kentucky falls 66 to 62 at Notre Dame. Uh, Sean, let's just kind of jump right into some of the early takeaways What were your thoughts on the game itself And uh, uh, kind of what do you, you, know Have your expectations changed at all moving forward as a result of the loss
0: Well, I wasn't able to watch it live I, I told you I went back and I found the YouTube uh, Everything's on YouTube nowadays <laughs> You can get the game without any commercials But I've watched that clip the entire game three times now And the thing that stands out to me is exactly what you said. We didn't really know about this team. We had the Duke game to go off of, and then we had seven games to where we're like, all right, what is going on with this? Where's the rotation? They've been sick. They've been injured. But then you get this Notre Dame game, and they're relatively healthy, and it just looked like a team that had no flow and kind of no chemistry offensively. The the defense, anytime you give up essentially 64, I don't count the breakaway slam, at the end, the game was already in, in hand by the time he, he put the thing through the rim. But you give up 64 points, you only have five turnovers, you have to find a way to win that game. If you play that type of game ten times, you got to win ten of them. And Kentucky just didn't do enough offensively. And, and you look and you see that they're they're shooting the ball poorly from three, which I think is the most surprising thing about this team to this point, Jack, because we talked about all these shooters that they have, and they've got guys that have been proven shooters. Uh, Kellen Grady, I think they need to get him more looks. Uh, we know ty Washington can shoot the ball. He's got to find that rhythm in his stroke. Davion Mintz. But then you look and you dive into the film and you see that it's guys taking shots that probably shouldn't be taking those shots. At periods and games where they don't need to be taking them. Kentucky with a one-point lead with about seven minutes to go in the first half and four straight possessions are three-pointers with 20-plus seconds to go on the shot clock. And it's not Ty-Ty taking them. It's not Kellen Grady taking them. Uh, you have Sabir Wheeler taking one. You have Jacob Toppin taking one in transition with 26 seconds on the clock. Bryce Hopkins with 21 seconds on the shot clock. And then Mintz took one in transition with 26 seconds. I can live with that one because he's been so good at that. But that's a stretch of basketball there where you pretty much throw away three or four opportunities. And those are essentially turnovers. I mean, if you just give those possessions up, if you don't make those shots, it's essentially turnover. And, uh, they didn't take advantage of that, and then that was a puzzling lineup too. At that point in the game, I don't know if you remembered. It was top top end Hopkins, Shibway, Mince, and I think Wheeler. I think was who was on the floor in that in that stretch. That that just that lineup was puzzling, and it seemed to go at a time to where there were no dead balls, and they just could not get anything changed.
1: Yeah, I, I, that that was. So I I wrote a post game kind of quick takeaways, but not really quick because it, it took me a while to do them because there was just so much to kind of take in from the loss. Um, I was very disappointed in John Calipari's coaching performance uh, in South Bend. I thought he was out coached by Mike Bray, and I don't think it was very close. Um, I, like you kind of touched on, I thought some of the the lineups were just absolutely bizarre. Um, I thought his rotations were bizarre I think the timing on some of his rotations there was, I mean, Ty Ty got pretty hot pretty quickly I think he had started three or four Kind of sort of getting his mid-range shot to fall a little bit uh, And Cal randomly pulls him For no rhyme or reason for Savary Wheeler Who was already struggling earlier in the game kind of took Ty-Ty out of his rhythm and put back in Xavier who was already struggling and, and then he continued to struggle. Then when it came time for Ty-Ty to get back in the game, he was out of rhythm and he never got back into his rhythm the rest of the game. So that part was really frustrating. I thought his, his lack of timeouts and when he used them and keeping it at the very end, like it, there were just so many times that I was like, dude, what are you doing? It just, in this environment, in, in this setting, in Kentucky's first kind of big-time uh, Post Duke game, I guess first first real game since since that season opener in uh, uh, Madison Square Garden against Duke. I thought Cal was just not ready for that moment. I know that you can't you can only do so much uh, when the players aren't executing and things like that. But man, I thought there were just so many little nitpicky things about his his coaching performance that I just I just don't think it was good enough.
0: No, it. I don't think it was either. And I think the most disappointing thing for me was you you played a cupcake schedule and and I'm not going to go on here and say something different than I said two weeks ago, because two weeks ago, I said, I get it. I get why he scheduled this way. Uh, You had Tony Barbie coming to Rupp Arena. You know, you want to help some of these people out. You had the, the unity series with Sean Woods and Southern coming to Rupp and, and things like that. And then after last season, you kind of wanted to make sure that your team chemistry and stuff was there. But the problem was, The rotation in those games, like a lot of guys got minutes. Damian Collins played extended minutes in those seven games at Rupp Arena. Dante Allen got opportunities. Uh, Lance Ware got opportunities. Well, when it came down to it, you're trying to find and build a rotation, and he talked about it after Southern, like the depth. Oh, we have depth. We have That's the good thing about depth. There was no depth Saturday. Davion Mintz played 18 minutes. That was the most off the bench. Everybody else, I think Damian Collins got three. Uh, Jacob Toppin played eight. Ross Hopkins got what? Five. There there was no depth. They played essentially six guys. So Dante Allen doesn't even get an opportunity, which I'm, I'm okay with. Like if if you don't think he's good enough to do it, you wasted a lot of opportunities there. And I know they dealt with injuries and people were out, but they, they tried to force it. And then when it come down to it, the rotation was essentially six players. I just, I don't think that's going to cut it, especially when you're shooting so poorly from the floor right now from three point range and, and there was just no offensive rhythm or flow. I, I feel like that Kentucky's played nine games and they have no resume. They played nine games and I don't think they know who they are. That that is concerning because they're getting to a point. Let's say that they go to Ohio, they play Ohio State in Vegas this weekend. If they lose that one, sure you get Louisville at Repearena. You can get a, a win there, but it's not going to be a quad one, a quad one win. It's it. Then you got Kansas. Like you could essentially leave the non-conference schedule with nothing to show for. Them. Yeah,
1: that's. That's hard, and it it was, it was an even bigger dagger to the heart when Mike Bray, after the game, I mean everybody teased Notre Dame for, oh, they're three and four, and Notre Dame sucks, and all this. But if you you know if you look at the the teams they've played, they their schedule hasn't been easy in the slightest. They've beaten the teams that they. That they should have, they had some some pretty garbage wins over some some garbage teams. Sure, every team is allowed some of those, but they've also gone to Vegas and played some tough teams. They've they've had two tr- true road games at Illinois and at uh, Boston College to open conference play. Little things like that, where it's like, okay, even if like they, they the, should they have won at least a couple of those? Yeah, probably. And, and is Notre Dame a good team or, or a great team? Goodness, no. I and mean, I'm not saying that, but. You, they at least got to figure out a little bit of who they were, and uh, Mike Bray said afterward he was like, "Yeah, there's some times that I was wondering, man, why didn't we schedule like Kentucky?" And it was like, "Ooh, that's that's a, that that sucks." And he also said that that uh, he thought his team was a little bit more weathered for the storm, um, and kind of said something to the effect of, um, you, "You know, we've gotten punched in the face several times already this year, so we know what it's like to." To kind of handle that kind of adversity, and, and uh, I don't think Kentucky was ready for that moment. They, they, I thought Xavier Wheeler was not. He, he was very clearly uncomfortable with his game. I thought some of the other bench guys, um, you know, when they were on the floor. I thought you bring up Davion Mintz I thought he was a guy that he was put in to be that spark plug, but the times that he was used it was like they brought him in and they said Davion go get some quick quick shots so he kind of uh, forced a lot of he forced the issue a lot really early and kind of throughout the game that he never settled into his role either so he kind of looked uncomfortable at times too because it, the of the sub- substitutions and rotations were just so bizarre with him too so i there were just so many little things like that that i was just like man if there's no rhyme or reason to anything Kyle's doing right now. It just—it's like he's throwing stuff against the wall and going, "Well, hope it sticks." And I—I uh, I thought he was a little overwhelmed. I thought it's a lot of his players were overwhelmed, and the final score showed that. Sean,
0: do you have the statistics for the last five games from three-point range? I know I've seen that go around somewhere, and I've been trying to find it for the last few minutes, but I can't. I do. Uh, but, yes. Okay. Yes. What? What are those?
1: So Kentucky went 6-0. They went 2 of 19 uh, on Saturday against Notre Dame. They went 6 of 20 against Southern. That's 30%. 7 of 26 against Central Michigan. That's 26.9%. 6 of 25 against North Florida, 24%. 5 of 15 against Albany. Uh, That's 33%, the highest in that stretch. Um, And then three of 16 against Ohio, that's 18.8%. The last time UK surpassed that 40% mark uh, was against Mount St. Mary's back on November uh, November
0: 16th. So how many total have they made in that stretch?
1: In that stretch, dating back to Ohio, they've made six plus seven, 13, 19, 24, 27 in that stretch.
0: And 27 how, many threes. Of, how? What's the breakdown? Do you know how many of those have been Grady or Ty Ty?
1: I don't have that breakdown. Um, I do know that UK only made two threes against Notre Dame, and they were both against yep. Kellen. Cal always talks about you. Well, you can't make. Uh, you don't have to make them all, but you can't miss them all. Uh, and uh, literally, Kentucky well, did miss them all outside of Kellen Grady. Literally, well, every other that, player missed every shot.
0: And that's what I'm getting at. Is you've it's it's not the answer to being a better three-point shooting team isn't a, isn't everybody just shoots one? You know what I mean? Like during that stretch where Topping comes down and pulls one, and then Hopkins pulls one, and then Wheeler pulls one. I mean, you're going to be a poor three-point shooting team if you don't have the right guys taking those shots. And and teen's not too many. I mean, nineteen. I mean, I'm I, I can live with them shooting sixteen to twenty threes a game, honestly, yeah. as long as you got the right dude shooting them. I prefer that. And, I think that's I think that's a very I good sweet spot. And the thing with me though is. You, Savir can't be who he is and be at his best if this team is not going to shoot the ball well. This team has to shoot the ball well for this to work. How many times have I said that? I would have absolutely hated the experiment of Savir Wheeler on last year's Kentucky team because they did not shoot the ball well. This team has to shoot it well for him to be who he is. His defender was literally daring him to shoot the ball Saturday. I'm talking standing at the free throw line and not even putting hands up. I'm not even contesting the shot. And you know what Notre Dame, I think, was probably hoping? That he would have made one early because then he would have kept doing what?
1: Kept taking kept them.
0: Shooting them. So, I mean, he, he didn't. I mean, he, he tried to dribble it and shoot that pull-up jumper. But if you're not getting those shots from a Davion Mintz or you're not getting more from Kellen Grady than, than two made threes, then you don't have Dante Allen out there that can at least stretch the floor and be a threat or Ty Ty only taking seven shots, then it's it's going to look bad. The one thing that they did get was they got great post presence from Oscar Shibway. And that's a guy, and I agree with you 110%. You tweeted, it's time to talk about him being an NBA player because that's what he's emerging and transforming into. And they tried to play through him late. They got him an opportunity to try to take the lead. He just missed the shot, but that's a guy that's improving, getting better. I I hate to see this team waste an elite post presence because that's what they have right now. He is becoming an elite post presence He's an elite rebounder. He's so good that you just you got to see this backcourt get better.
1: I mean, the numbers are just unbelievable. Oscar, twenty-five points, eleven of fourteen shooting, three of four from the from the line, seven rebounds, three steals, two blocks, one assist, and just one foul in thirty-seven minutes. I mean, it was undoubtedly. Oscar's best all around offensive performance that we've seen him as a Wildcat. I mean, he, the things he was doing, the, the pulling up from mid range and, and how polished he was in the post, some of his up and unders. And, and, I mean, he, I mean, he was a true back to the basket center, knocking down, you know, left shoulder jump hooks and like, I mean, every little thing that you would want out of your true post center, he, he provided that for you. I mean, there was that one play, um, He kind of caught it on the baseline, and he went up and he dunked it with his left hand. And I was like, "That was like baby Shaq! Like that was I have not seen an explosive play like that from him in trans in or uh, with you know a hand in his face. You know he's had some some tough dunks with wide open down low, but he kind of had embraced contact and kind of fought through for his own kind of mini poster on that. I was like. We haven't seen that Oscar at all this season And the way he ran the floor And he was blocking shots And he was jumping the passing lines I mean, shoot, he had a couple steals And it was like, this is the most all-around performance And I know we'd love to see him break that You know, it, it sucks that he didn't get that double-double To keep his streak going But, man, it, it felt so in, insignificant In the grand scheme of things Because he did so much other stuff Incredibly And, yeah, like, like I tweeted I I don't know how you watch that game and don't go, yeah, that's a a draft pick. He's not going to be a lottery pick. He's not going to be a top ten pick, you know, any of that stuff. But that dude deserves to get drafted. That guy, you're telling me he can't carve out a role in the NBA doing something? I mean, he has no expectations whatsoever to, to, to play a million minutes and get all these touches and all that. He is the true definition of a guy that will accept his role in the league and just give you give you whatever heart. The reason, like, I don't know if you've been paying close attention, but Jared Vanderbilt right now in the league yeah. is is playing unbelievable basketball. He's now starting for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he's averaging something like twelve and eight or twelve and twelve and ten. And uh, I mean, there's some t- very loose buzz already about him being you know uh, most improved player, kind of newcomer of the year type deal. I mean, th- there's a lot of positive buzz, and it's not because he's overly skilled or he's just, just you know unbelievably offensive gifted player is because he just works his butt off And if Jared Vanderbilt can make a name For himself in the NBA I, Why can't Oscar I mean we have the same Questions about Jared Vanderbilt's offensive Abilities at Kentucky too I mean he i mean, Watching him take jump shots And do things with the ball in his hands we were like dude You need to just catch lobs And rebound the ball do nothing else But those things but He carved a role in the NBA you're telling me Oscar Can't I mean that's I, I think after watching that Notre Dame game, I think it's very clear that he is a draft pick and he will he will be able to carve out a role in the league.
0: I agree hundred percent. The I think the one surprising thing when you look at the the box score from Saturday is Kentucky was held to five offensive rebounds. Yeah. And Oscar held to seven. And if if, if I'm not mistaken, he had his fifth rebound with like nine minutes to go in the first half which is hard to believe if i if if i'm right I, i'm pretty sure do you do you have the, the stat broadcast breakdown there to see how many boards he had in the first half because i i want to think he had at least 5 with 9 minutes to play in the first half
1: in the first half he finished with 6 rebounds
0: so he finished with one rebound in the second half yes like that is that's mind blowing right
1: in 20 minutes he played every he did not come out of the game once in the second half
0: yeah and and that kind of that kind of stood out to me but he was so good offensively and and everything else, and he's so much better in pick-and-roll defense than than what I thought he was going to be, like with hedging and and, then reattaching to his man and everything. But a couple of things that really got me, uh, obviously offensive rhythm is the thing that stands out to me, the poor shooting, the things that need to get better, but Kentucky has always been a team that on inbounds play, and on out-of-bounds sets under the opponent's basket, they always go man, and they'll do some things where they'll run the on-ball defender out and then put somebody else on the ball to kind of help out and not give up any shots off out-of-bounds sets. They had two breakdowns Saturday and gave up two baskets in that spot where they had a mix-up. Those were crucial. And then there was a defensive uh, a defensive possession there where Tata Washington did not jump to help. He turned and showed the back of his head, and another an damn player just back cut. That's six points that you can't give up in a game that is already where points are very, very – uh, at a minimum and stuff That you need those possessions To work out in your favor You cannot get beat on out-of-bounds sets And that, that's something I don't know if you saw that on tape or not But I, I know you saw it live Where Notre Dame came wide open To on out-of-bounds plays That they, 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 they got to get those issues fixed
1: Yeah, and I think it was telling That Cal, after the game I mean, he, he flat out said It was kind of it, I haven't seen him do this in a while But, like, Keon Brooks is sitting right next to him and uh, he, at, during the post game press conference, which I, I kind of got to talk about that too, because that was just a whole mess in itself. It was just kind of embarrassing. But um, Keon sitting right next to him, and and Cal calls out Keon. He said Keon just wasn't good enough defensively. He had too many miscues. He he had left wide open baskets at the rim, um, out of bounds plays, let him let him at, you know have some easy opportunities. It just wasn't good enough. And I was like. Wow, we haven't. And I mean, he that was he was one of several players that he called out for defensive miscues. And you know, Xavier Wheeler, goodness gracious, that dude got beat off the dribble and and gave up so many easy opportunities at the rim that I I mean it was he got played off the floor, and that was something that I just I couldn't imagine after seeing how impressive he was to start the season and how strong he had been for him to kind of just just falter the way he did. It was just I mean it, it was just kind of mind blowing. I just uh, a whole lot, but well, yeah. Let me uh, let me talk about that post game interview because, and I, I probably should have brought this up in the Cal segment you know, criticism seg- segment. But he comes in, Sean. I don't know if you watched the the, re- the replay of the uh, the interview or not, but he comes in. And he first talks about the tornado relief, and we didn't get a chance to talk about that. And I, I do want to give you know we'll we'll talk about that to close out the show because it does need its own individual attention that it deserves. But he sits down, he talks about the tornado relief, and then um, one one media person asks him a question about three point shooting. Is is this team a better three point shooting team than it is? And uh, he it's this long winded que- answer. Uh, we kind of touches on all the different. Sp- Subjects of the game, I mean, you know Talking to Cal, how, how he does And he ended it, and you could tell When a dude's ready to stop talking When he kind of Like, especially Cal, where he's like You know, I like my team, I think we have a lot Of positive things to look at Moving forward, I, I like where things Are going like this, where he was kind of like a, a closing statement for it And you could tell that he thought He was going to get out of there with one question And then that UK's SID says Alright, let's get uh, some uh, player interviews for, for Oscar and Keon If you guys have questions for him So media guys start asking Oscar and Keon And Cal stands up and he walks out of the room And everybody's like Are you kidding me? He answered one question And it was about three point shooting We still haven't gotten to talk about defense Long twos the uh if this team was prepared, Kentucky's garbage schedule leading up to this point. Like, we have all these other talking points to get to. And he stands up and walks out of the room after one question. So we all kind of look at, at UK's SID like, uh, are you, are you going to go get him? Because we're not done. And he, you can kind of tell Eric, he was kind of panicked there for a second. He was like, oh, yeah, we got to go get him. So he walks out the do- door and goes goes to grab him cow walks in the other door and Sean he stands there and he walks in and he interrupts the players and he goes does anybody have anything else for me like it, do you guys need me still and we're all like yeah go sit your butt down like we have we have stuff to talk about and and he goes up and he stands up at the podium like it's a town hall council meeting like he doesn't even sit back down at the podium he just stands and he takes questions like he's the mayor, like, he's just saying up there, all right, you, next. All right, you, next. It was just, it was the most unbelievable, like, he made it so abundantly clear that he wanted to get the hell out of there more than anything else well, on the planet. And it was just like, dude, you're, you, you lost. It was a bad coaching performance. Suck it up and talk about it. It's fine. We're not going to, like, you know, it's, it's like you're a big boy. You can handle a couple questions about it. It's fine.
0: And that's the thing, right? Like, if it's if it's just one time where you're trying to kind of get out of there, I, I get it. You know, I mean, I coach. I know it's not the same level when you lose. You don't want to talk, but you have to. It comes with the territory. It comes with the job. But he had so many press conferences last year where we all left and was like, man, what did we just witness? That you you can't have those this year. You, you just can't. You've you got to answer whatever it is, even if it's the hard stuff. Your team's not playing well. you got to be there to talk. Uh, don't leave those kids there. To talk about it exactly I mean, it's, 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 it's time for to get it figured out and i mean it's like i said like i, I get the cupcake schedule i get it after last year you, you want to make sure but like now you can kind of look at it and think what did they get out of those seven games nothing there's nothing there's no resume building no they don't have a resume what they have is a loss that's going to look really really bad in january it's going to look really bad in february it's going to look really bad in March because Notre Dame's not going to be an NCAA tournament team. They're not, and that loss is going to probably be what a quad three loss when it shows up on paper.
1: I think right now it is right now it's a quad four loss. I think
0: so. Like it, it's going to be very very bad uh, when it shows up. It's going to be one of those that they they've kind of had for the last few years, and now you got to find a way to go get a quad one against Ohio State. You have to get this one. Because you look around the league right now and you see Alabama. I know Kentucky dropped 11 spots in the AP poll. I mean, they're, they're at 21, a lost Ohio State, and they're probably out of the polls. Honestly, you can make a point right now saying, why are they even ranked? Because they've not beaten anyone. Uh, it's Kentucky's name that has them at 21. Uh, so you look at the league and you look at Alabama, who's pushing towards the uh, top two, top three spot in the polls and a number one seed. They're putting their resume together. They've beaten Gonzaga. They beat Houston at home. Uh, this Memphis game that they have coming up is probably the easiest one they have because it looked like it was going to be a tough game when the season started. <laughs> but, by the way, I had to throw a little bit in there Yeah, at Memphis. Sucks. but
1: Let's get that you, out of here.
0: Make you see happen. Alabama, and they're building a resume. You see LSU undefeated. You see Tennessee playing – I mean, they're playing tough games. Sure, they've not had the success that they wanted to have, but these teams in your league are building their resumes when Kentucky doesn't even have one. So it essentially feels like they've thrown away – almost a quarter of the season with nothing to show for. Yeah. Probably more than a quarter if you're counting regular seasons, about a third.
1: Yeah, and the thing that I just keep going back to is that Cal spent so much time this off season Go. It'd be different if he didn't go – on ESPN and go on all these other shows and go. I hope you enjoyed your laughs now because we're I storming haven't. on back. We're we're coming back. I you I, I hope you had your fun because because Kentucky basketball is coming back.
0: That- I find it amazing that you brought that up because I haven't talked to you since you got home and I said that exact line to someone else, and that's the exact moment I picked out too. I said he's been really good at his time at UK of pumping the brakes when they needed to be pumped, but also putting pedal to the metal when it was worthy and he did this enjoy it now so it gets everybody buzzed and, and everybody you know ready and positive about the season and this still and i still think that this is i'm not ready to say this team's not an NCAA tournament team like i'm I'm not going to say anything like oh, that goodness, they, no. they've yeah. got capable pieces and capable players but now it's just gonna the, i think the thing that concerns me the most though is a guy like keon brooks uh sabir wheeler kellen grady they're older they're veteran teams. Fans always scream for veteran teams. The one thing that you get with veteran teams is the ceiling's not as high. Yeah. And they are who they are. Well, this team just lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Duke. They are Those guys are who they are. And essentially it comes down to how do these freshmen develop. And that's what it's always going to be about at Kentucky. If Ty Washington emerges and becomes the guy that, you know, John Calipari needs him to be or Bryce Hopkins or Damian Collins, they they reach that potential, then this team's going to continue. Not, not saying that Oscar Sheba and these other guys aren't getting better because Oscar's getting better every game. But there are some pieces on this roster that they have peaked with what they're going to be. But if, they're, if they've peaked, then you've got to change what you're doing, and maybe it's changing up how you're doing things with Kellen Grady, getting some more looks. I think he's capable of doing some stuff off the bounce and getting creative. Uh, they've got to mix it up and find some type of rhythm offensively. Yeah. But well, this is a team, too, that struggled in some of those non-conference games at Rupp Arena. Like, yeah. they did not look look good against Southern for a half. Uh, they didn't look good in some other matchups for a half. Like, they, this is a team that did struggle in those games. It's not like they come in there and just beat everybody by 50 or 60.
1: Yeah, there's uh, not – it was not a game that sparked much confidence and optimism moving forward. And I, I've always been a guy I, – I hate I, – I absolutely hate the mindset of – one bad loss, you go, well, this team's not making the tournament Or, oh, looks like this team isn't going to be what everybody hyped it up to be It is one loss I, I have always been a guy, if, if a coach deserves criticism For a single coaching performance Or a player uh, has a bad individual performance That that stuff is fine if, can, if the team as a whole struggles in one individual performance Criticize the performance itself Criticize how they're playing in that moment And if it gets to the point where you know one turns into two turns into four turns into eight turns into 10 those sorts of things like then we can start talking big season picture things but the record still is what it is 7 and 2 is still 7 and 2 their their resume right now has nothing to show for it it's not a great basketball team but i wouldn't say they're a bad basketball team there's a, there's still a lot to be not a lot to be optimistic about. Still, a lot of things to be critical about. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Let's yeah. uh, w- let's not make overarching s- theme, uh, s- you know, season long criticisms about this team, and and kind of think that this this they're not going to be what everybody kind of thought they could be. There's still a whole lot of basketball left to be played, and yes, this team could still contend. They just got to get the p- pieces to be put together, and uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. If it t- if it comes time for those criticisms, if you guys listened to last year's show. You know that we are very willing to give them. So let's um, take this one game at a time and acknowledge that this game just wasn't it. And let's hope that things get better against Ohio State because if not, uh, then we can start worrying about uh, the non-conference schedule as a whole and, and resume and those sorts of things. So, uh, Sean, let's. Uh, let, I have one ad read to do. We have we have uh, something to get to, and then I want to close the show by by. Uh, Uh, Acknowledging what happened this past weekend And just kind of the severity behind all of that And uh, um, and, and kind of honor The people that need to be honored So let's first the NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Uh, this week, Sean. I went through some of the uh, tonight's games and and uh, you know what what's going on tonight. I looked at Tyrese Maxey and De'Aaron Fox among the fo- among the former Wildcats. De'Aaron Fox was just thrown into uh, some of the trade rumors, and uh, Tyrese Maxey. If you haven't been paying attention, Ben Simmons, uh, that whole ordeal is just an absolute nutcase scenario. Things are just. Crazy and there was more news today about Where Ben Simmons could go and all that Tyrese Maxey is kind of emerging as their uh, Go-to performer At the point guard position so I'm gonna trust both of those formal former Wildcats to hit the over on their points. Tyrese Maxley at 13.5 points and De'Aaron Fox over 20 and a half points. I'm feeling pretty confident about those two. Prize picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can have picks across some sports too with the NFL playoffs approaching. Add in some of those players to your picks with the their over or, or under projected receiving, rushing, or passing yards. Download the Price Picks app or visit PricePicks.com and sign up using the promo Code Pilgrim, that's P-I-L-G-R-I-M To get an instant 100% bonus Up to $100 off On your first deposit Don't forget, that's the Price Picks app Or PricePicks.com in the promo code Pilgrim To claim your bonus today And take your viewing of your former Favorite former Kentucky stars To the next level. Sean, let's Get out of here with this uh, Absolute devastation uh, in West in the western part of the state and uh, Mayfield especially uh, I know my wife has uh, some family down there and and they thank goodness they they made it through but uh, there's just so much destruction it's just so much sadness and, and uh, uh, guys I just want I could not express my my prayers and my thoughts and my heart is absolutely uh, one hundred percent invested with with that area right now. I'm just absolutely crushed. I, I was up till three o'clock in the morning the night of, following things, and uh, the storm actually came through up into Shelbyville where I live. And uh, luckily, it was just hard rain and thunderstorms and all that. But um, so no no nothing serious on our end. But goodness gracious, Sean, there's so much um, to just just be heartbroken about down there. And, and I know there are lives lost and families that are just. Struggling in ways that they, you know, I mean, one night, one night they're sitting around their Christmas tree, watching you know Christmas movies and having a good time, and and the next night their entire lives are flipped upside down. So, Sean, I just wanted to use a moment of this show to really um, just give pour my heart out and, and say, man, I, I I'm so crushed and 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 sick for you guys, and I really hope. Uh, I know that KSR just announced. Uh, Our own little fundraiser that we're doing I believe we've already raised $56,000 in three hours Since it got announced Uh, It's the KSR Tornado Relief Fund Go to KSRTornadoRelief.com For that, Uh, we're partnered with Kentucky Chamber Foundation for that So guys, please donate what you can I know that that's kind of going to be something that I, I really uh, invest a lot in and focus on a lot over these next couple of weeks as they try to build from the ground up. But Sean, I, I know uh, this state is very important to you and the and the people in, in, inside of it are very important to you. So uh, I know that this this hit you hard uh, as well.
0: It absolutely did. Uh, that's what I was saying to someone else this morning is when you look at this state and and you go around it it's full of great people. And Saturday morning, Jack, people woke up and they were dealing with loss. They were dealing with loss of family members. They're dealing with loss of their, their daily lives, their jobs, their homes. Their People woke up wondering where their family's at. And I know that you and I know people that were directly impacted by this, people that lost loved ones and lost things. And it's just – it just uh, – it's just heartbreaking. It's so sad that the pictures that are still coming out, the videos that are still coming out, you know, day by day and, and things. Uh, and, it, but th- in times like this though, I think the one thing that I take away from it is you get to see the good, the stuff that we could always be every single day that we live. Uh, I mean, the, the man that decided to drive what, 30 or 40 minutes to Mayfield area and prepare food for people, not because he had to, it's because he, he, he felt like he needed to. He wanted to. He wanted to help. He doesn't have a restaurant. He just decided to take his grill and go and, and do it. You you see the good in people and this state and this people coming together, this basketball team coming together. Uh, there was a basketball game played Saturday night, but it wasn't the most important thing going on. There, there are people in the state that are hurting, not just in Kentucky. There's people in Arkansas and, and Tennessee and, and other states that are dealing with loss as well. And it's just so devastating and sad. I send my prayers, my thoughts to those people. Uh, I'm going to donate, and uh, I hope that you all that listen, any amount, uh, do the same. Because uh, Kentuckians, there's a lot of Kentuckians that are hurting. But the thing that makes Kentuckians so great is that we always come together, regardless of beliefs and and differences. We always find a way to pull through, and uh, this is another opportunity that we need to do that.
1: Yeah, it's heartbreaking and very well put Sean um, I appreciate you once again for coming on with us and uh, uh, breaking down a, another ugly loss let's let's hope that uh, we have some something for for uh, a hurting state to look forward to in Kentucky going out I can't out do them.
0: what we did last year. No, we can't <laughs> do it. No. We'll... I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it where are we go in here and be like, "Well, it happened again." No. No,
1: we're, we only good vibes only with this with this yep. podcast moving forward, and it's going to start on Saturday uh, when Kentucky heads to Ohio State uh, to take. They're heading to Vegas to take on Ohio State, and a very very. I mean, you described it almost close to a must win, but man, I think we're we're pushing that uh, pushing that pretty close to that point. I mean, we're. It's it's a very important game for this program, and we'll see how it goes. And we'll be back to talk about it uh, then, Sean. Where can fans find your work? Let's get out of here.
0: You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry
1: Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time from the Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We
0: will see you then. <laughs>